Welcome to a very special episode of Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance. This is a special episode in that we're not going to follow the format that we usually do, where Dan and I just listen to three good riddance songs and then talk about it on this very special episode. And I'm saying it so it sounds like an after school special. Uh, we're going to be talking. <laughs> we're going to be talking about Seized Up, which is Chuck Platt's other band. And you aren't just going to be hearing from Dan and I, but Al Nolan of Cursed Blessings Records, who is putting out the new Seized Up 7-inch. If you're unfamiliar with the work of Al Nolan, start by listening to the album I'll Shut Up When You Fuck Off by the almighty Trigger Happy. Because <laughs> I listened to that record when I was 16 years old, and it was fucking game changer for me. Uh, once you digest that one, you should know that he's also been in bands like Deep End, Hell Yeah, Fuck Yeah, Take Drugs, and I don't know, probably like 20 more. Trigger Happy has been <laughs> oh yeah, down below. Were you ever actually in the Sinisters, or did you just roll with them for a no, bit? No, no. I just, just I, I used to live with a guitar player, and uh, I was just a really big fan. And uh, yeah. Curse Blessings is releasing a greatest hits of theirs digitally, actually, which we'll get into later. So look out. I love it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Trigger Happy has been Al's off and on thing since the late '80s, early '90s. I think there was a name change in there, and that band has played and toured with bands like Bad Brains, Bad Religion, Rancid, Strung Out, No Effects, really any punk band you can think of that's played a show in Toronto or Oshawa or Hamilton for the last 30 years. <laughs> Al has probably played with them. And of course, one of those bands is Good Riddance. Right now, though, Al's spending most of his time running Cursed Blessings, a new-ish label based out of Toronto. And on April 8th, Cursed Blessings is going to be releasing Seized Up's new 7-inch called Marching Down the Spiral, which, uh, man. Can yeah, it's a crusher. Identify, it's a if you can identify with the album title. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, please welcome to Last Believer, a podcast about good riddance, Al Nolan. Thank you very much for having me. That's very, very kind of you. What an intro. What an intro. Nice. That was pretty good. The band is hot tonight. Look out. Whoa. Look out. <laughs> great. Great work, Doc. Great work. It's all about, <laughs> nice it's all about rehearsal, well right? Oh, kidding. Look, we all have broadcasting in our blood. Are you kidding me? Like, we, we didn't just get into this just to be in bands and swear and stuff like that. Like, are you kidding me? Like, some of my other favorite bands were broadcasters and news reporters and and all that kind of crap. So no, well done. An excellent intro. I hope I live up to it. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to meet you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> nice to meet you. Al, we're going to start because ostensibly this is a podcast about good riddance. When did you first become aware of that band? Uh, I went to see um, uh, Trigger Happy at the time when we were called Trigger Happy. Uh, we had four dates on the Punk and Drublick tour. So um, for some strange reason, we got bumped on the RPM show uh, in Toronto here, and uh, we were on our way to M Montreal, Quebec City, and Halifax with those guys. And it was it, it was like a mini festival. It was no effects, ten foot pole, and face to face. This is the fall. This is the fall yeah. of 1994. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, it was. We had just released Killatron 2000 uh, on Ronergy Records through A and M, um, and no effects was touring and it was, it was the second time they had come to Toronto after the opera house show. So the steam was kind of picking up around that time, but it was really huge by the time punk and Drublick really got into the veins of everybody around town. And so uh, I, of course we went to the show, we were there cause we were supposed to play and all that kind of stuff. At that time you begged for 15 minutes to, to 10 minutes sometimes just to play. Cause you're, you're lucky if your, your songs were that short that you could get almost like half your set into play. And, you know, it was, it was getting big. And at that time, everybody still had their roots, not that no effects never lost them, 
but yeah, if, if, uh, if the right kind of guys came up and pleaded their case, they would let you play. Like they would say, fuck the promoters, even though the promoters are like totally like their best friends, they would say, you're going to play and something like that. And uh, fat Mike, when, when I was talking to him about us getting bumped off that show and then we were continuing on with the rest of the thing, he gave me this CD that everybody ended up getting called survival of the fattest or excuse me, fat music for fat people. Pardon me. And it had, uh, a song from United Cigar on there. And specifically, it was his voice, uh, Russ's voice that I really dug. Um, it had a psychedelic furs kind of twist to it, which happily to find out later that it was one of his favorite bands was a really cool thing. And then um, uh, Trigger Happy was on tour. Later, uh, we uh, became the almighty Trigger Happy uh, due to about five or six other Trigger Happies from country music <laughs> to heavy metal sending us cease and desist orders. And I remember like looking in tattoo, uh, looking for tattoo places in phone books and they would call it a one or a tattoo or something like that. So I figured, well, a, we'll figure it almighty like as in the almighty. So we thought it would be hilarious. And it, it sounds just so awkward. Like trigger happy is a stupid name as it is anyways, but to put almighty in front of it just makes it so it's almost Python, you know, like, like Python esque or something like that. It's, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. Like, um, so don't we beat yourself up about it. I mean, if you spend too much time thinking about how good a band name is, unless you're Minor Threat or Public Enemy, they're all dumb band names. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> funny my, my favorite band names are the ones I've never come up with. But uh, so we're, we were out west for this thing called uh, – um, uh, I don't know which one it was. It was one of those – abbreviations but it was more specifically it was called the slam city jam and it was a big, yeah. it was like uh the warp tour but it was just smack dab in the middle of the p and e place or something like that it was called or bc place or something mm-hmm. and there was good riddance i'm like holy shit it's the guys from that comp and uh i, I went over said to mark god rest his soul mark klutznik aka mark gibson i said uh hey there's those guys let's let's go over and talk to them those guys are rad let's go see them and uh we went over and said hey uh we're trigger happy uh Fat Mike told us about you guys, and I swear to God, Russ said, "Yeah, yeah, we heard you guys. We heard you guys are pretty good." And it was just made our day, you know. We were just, we couldn't believe it that like a Fat Records band, you know, like that didn't have to say they liked us that we were traveling with, you know, actually heard of us before we got like up to them. And but by that time, we had already done a couple of dates with Lagwagon and Strung Out. Like basically, the whole Fat Records catalog had come through Canada at that time. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we had got, got to play with them e- either in Vancouver or to Oshawa or to Halifax or something like that. So, and it, it was a wonderful fall for that year because in 19, that fall of 94, uh, we, we did a bad brains tour in the summer of 93. And then in the fall of 94, I think we were in every major city in Canada, uh, like six times up until like January or something like that. And then, then we went on to the States and everything, but out of all those bands, Everybody would exchange phone numbers and everybody would say like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Come down here. We'll play with you or we'll hook you up or we'll talk to this guy. It was good riddance that followed up that said, yeah, like we'd love to have you guys in this, like try this, try that. And then there's this, uh, organization in Montreal called, uh, Greenland productions that, uh, were responsible for a lot of the snow jams and stuff. But earlier, that's, uh, Duncan and Paget and them, right? That's Paget, Paget Williams. Uh, Duncan is lit was later, but it was a guy named Nick and a woman named Nancy and, uh, um, Dan from Donald K Donald, which is the original promoters, like all the way back, uh, into the eighties and stuff. But they had these, uh, summer events called ramp rage and, 
This one in 95 was Good Riddance, uh, Trigger Happy, and Good Riddance. See, this is how much of, of like champions they were for underdogs. They brought a band with them from Santa Cruz called Mock. Now, I, I don't know if you went to those shows, but so that, that was us. Now we, we were locals and we were all stoked. We were going to play with good riddance, but we're like, fuck, why do we have to, now we have to open for this fucking out of town band. Cause you know, that's the courtesy thing you do. Right. But like, thank God they were really cool guys, became good friends with them, found out they were really weirdos, which was really, really cool. But, um, <clears throat> there was five shows booked and there was this little band, uh, on it called Roach that later became reset. That later became simple plan. You might've heard yeah. of that. Right. And um, oh, we, we've, we've definitely talked about them because I grew up on the Quebec side just outside of Ottawa. So oh, really? Very, yeah, they're lovely very guys. Very familiar. Yeah. Wild story, just of the evolution of the whole thing. And um, so we became friends with uh, Good Riddance at the time had uh, Tony from Ten Foot Pole, who's now in Papa Roach, uh, playing drums for them. So they were a powerhouse. They were really, really good uh, at the time. And we just, I, I don't know, like I said, like, you know, I didn't drink at the time and, um, I'm like once in a while would partake in something here or there. Uh, and I, I, Russ and I started talking just about some time. Uh, I, I think unfortunately the poor man thought I was completely straight edge. And right. I think I kind of, I think I unfortunately threw him for a loop accidentally when I kind of said, Oh, somebody mentioned something about doing acid. And I think I said in mixed company, like, Oh, I'll do some sure. And I, I think <laughs> I kind of bombed him out on that or whatever. But, um, but the rest of the guys in the band, just uh, Chuck is, like I said, you know, the guy's a beacon of fun, you know, and uh, mm. you can't get enough of the guy. And Luke is very organized. You know, at the time he was kind of, you know, you do stupid stuff in your 20s. So Luke was at the, at the time of the band <laughs> yeah. picked on at the time. And, uh, geez, I remember calling him Gilligan once in a while. And uh, <laughs> Sean Sellers was, play, was playing drums with them at the time. And it was uh, the tour that... Um, that was when Forgotten Country had just come out, and then we were very lucky to have them ask us to do basically, uh, I guess, about 25 dates on their comprehensive guide tour, mm -hmm. uh, which was going to be our breakthrough into the United States. And we had uh, we had a release on Sonic Onion, and we hadn't secured anything just with uh, the Swedes yet at Bad Taste. And, and the only real like kind of breakthrough thing we had in the U.S. was this compilation on Lookout called Punk Uprising. Uh, that We had a demo version of a song of ours called Softly. And, but we were on there with other – like everybody was on there, uh, for God's sakes. And uh, so that was kind of our passport into that. But it was supposed to be this – is, this was the original lineup. Good Riddance, 88 Fingers Louie, Ignite, Almighty Trigger Happy. 25 shows through North America and the United States. Like that's fucking killer, dude. Like you tell that me, is like, a I, killer I, bill. I'd leave my couch for that for sure. No problem. <laughs> yeah. All right. And, and, um, then as per usual, God love them. Uh, 80 fingers, Louis broke up like they did right. every 10 minutes in the nineties. And, uh, yeah. and then, um, ignite, uh, for some strange reason broke up and it was down to just us and good riddance. So we're like, wow, this is rad. Cool. And, then this mysterious band called Lifetime got added to it. And we were like, who are these weirdos? Like, whatever. And then talk about being hypnotized. Like, holy shit. Like, like for, I, I had no idea. Like, I knew there was this really, like, being from, a, like, a, a loudmouth kind of scene. And, like, like, I came into punk rock when the older guys were kind of, like, 
sick of everybody already. So my introduction to it was some very, very harsh, very, very mean people. Uh, hence my behavior, perhaps sometimes with some younger folk. Uh, I can't really explain it. It's a rite of passage sometimes. I knew there was a mysterious kind of hardcore nerdy kind of, I, I hate using that term kind of, cause everybody's a nerd to a certain capacity, uh, a, a non fat epitaph kind of hardcore thing that was happening. It always had been around. Uh, and that was mm-hmm. the more uh, Fugazi, uh, we called them the, unfortunately the politically correct version of music at the time. And we kind of thought lifetime was kind of the filter. And that was with lifetime being on the tour. It was kind of the first time I had seen the scenes kind of meet each other. It was that Nope. Like you're going to sell a million t-shirts. You're going to sell a million CDs crowd, but then there's going to be the kids with the t-shirts over top of the collared shirts with the beaded <laughs> right. necklaces really tight around their necks. And you know what I mean? Like the, the really yeah. confused custodian look like a, you don't like the fashionable homeless kind of thing. And, and you know, and with the big plugs in their ears, which is now how everybody looks, you know, which yeah. is even wilder, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing just what happens to, to culture and stuff like that. So that was just a real trip. And that was even at the time I started to notice that Good Riddance had a real kind of dual citizenship, if you will, between the vegan, hardcore, real kind of miserable kind of punk people. And then the the bros, yeah, bro, like the the Shakas and the, you know, the Warped Tour crowd, you know, they had a dual yeah. citizenship thing and they managed to maintain it really decently. And I have to say that, like, uh, besides propaganda. I would say Good Riddance are probably the other most socially relevant, most considerate band in currently in punk rock or modern music, whatever you want to call it right now. So that works and, out really well, because what I wanted to <laughs> ask you about next is yeah. that, you know, obviously we're hearing these stories. You started the band in the early 90s. You did all these tours. So after being involved in punk and hardcore, and I know a little bit of metal, too, just from hanging out with yeah. you. Um for the last 30 years, like, why did you decide that 2020 is the year you're starting a label? I, I, I worked well, like, you know, I've complained for years. Um, I've bitched for years. I've told bands they've sucked to their faces. I've told, uh, labels, you know, that they were stupid, uh, for not signing us. Um, you know, I, I've, you know, I've, I've almost begged certain people. I've told certain people to go fuck themselves. You know, like I've probably missed out on some super amazing golden opportunities. I've, you know, I've, I've had them slip through my fingers. I'm sure. Um, you know, trigger happy was a tough fucking house to be in. Um, we had some very experienced people that had just had enough of either each other or having to keep trying again and again and again. And it was like, okay, well, we've worked really hard for this. Now, who is this complete stranger that all of a sudden these thousands of kids all worship is telling us we have to write new demos in order for us to do something kind of thing. So it was just a mind fuck, you know, and then, you know, like your twenties is not your most stable time. That's, you know, it's, it's not. And then with the chemicals that your body already comes with, the ones that you're putting into it on top of it just makes your, you're like a, what do they call it? Like a fucking hodgepodge of just stupidity. Right. And then and you're lucky if your music can get you can get you like your success and if the right people come. But that's why some of your favorite bands don't have the most all the original members. It's a right. shame. You know, after time, like the wheel has to roll and you got to get rid of the nails or you got to get rid of the air or you got to even things out. And I swear to God, I, like Trigger Happy didn't want to try anymore. Trigger Happy had had enough and 
chemicals were killing us and everybody was just being a drag, you know, and, you know, we wanted to get something out of it. And I, I honestly, truthfully think if we had held on another two years, I think going into that early 2000s, because that, that third, fourth wave of that whole mm-hmm. epitaph fat kind of thing, but like even with drive through and uh, like uh, something corporate and the major label kind of jumped to it and then some 41 locally and then protest the hero and the underground operations world that you guys were involved in and stuff. And everything. Mm-hmm. I really think trigger happy could have benefited from that instead of being really angry guys standing near the bovine with bloody noses and stuff and just telling people to go fuck themselves and then getting back together because somebody was really, really sick and they figured that if we get the band back together, we can help them out. And then it just ended up getting worse. So if, if, if anything at all, the, the, the satisfaction I got out of Trigger Happy is we were truth, truth be told, man. We were the meanest, <laughs> most like horrendous bunch of people at times. And that's why we had a record called I Hate Us. And so with all those mistakes and with all those wonderful learning experiences, now you always say, what would you do you know, what, if, what would you do now if you knew, or sorry, what would you do next if you knew back then? Like, you know what I mean? So I want to correct every mistake for someone else. I want to steer some bands in the right direction. I want to make sure that the right people here, because, you know, I'm also really lucky that after the past 30 years with some bad behavior and some really funny stuff or some nice good times, I've maintained some really good relationships with some people and some people trust me. And it's good that some important people trust me. Um, seized up was a plan originally for curse blessings to, uh, have a, a split seven inch with trigger happy. Uh, cause we have new songs. We're writing a new album currently, uh, cool. right now. And, uh, um, and when I heard, uh, Chuck reached out to me and said, you got it. Like, I'm a huge blast fan, the singer Clifford yeah. from the, from the sure. band seized up. And so when I heard that, Chuck was in a band with him. I reached out to him and I said, like, holy shit, dude, you're in a band with like Clifford from Blast. Holy shit. Like, come on. And he had sent me a couple of tracks that they were doing, like Manic Compressions, like from the from the Brace Yourself record. And it was just I was taken back to everything that I love about hardcore music and everything that I want from hardcore music now. So that band is like a true like kind of renaissance of everything that's kind of happening with their like environmental pitch with even just the texture of the, the record and stuff. And just like the, all the, the song like tent city. And then like the songs we got like marching down the spiral and forum of decay and dead zone denied and stuff. It's songs about your phone, you know, like you, you, yeah. you, you, you learned about the band through your phone, but you know, the songs are about your phone. It's, it's, it's nuts. You can't get away from it. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like a knife you need to hold that's cutting you constantly. It's, it's, it's so rad. And, and the band just delivers the goods and they've got the right amount of pedigree. Like no effects, uh, toured with Danny Buzzard, the guitar players band. They uh, went over to Japan with his band in the nineties. Uh, he had a band called all you can eat mm-hmm. and, uh, no effects open for those guys. So like we're dealing with like some serious masters of the craft, you know, and, there's a band locally here called Choices Made, who yeah. are named after a good written song, uh, who yeah. Russ asked me about <laughs> a couple of days ago. Uh, and uh, the label originally was started to showcase those guys because um, I right. used to collect money at the door for the bovine for admittance. And uh, uh, my girlfriend works at the bovine. And uh, so I was very lucky to see all the bands she was booking on her Tuesday nights, as well as the bands that were booking like throughout the week. And these just this band started playing and I'm like, wow, this is like sick of it all. This is like really like Ensign, like old, really good kind of down picking hardcore. And I 
literally peeked around the corner and saw these four little fellows. And I said, you know, someone's got to do something with these guys. And then, you know, same with dragged in. I, every time I'd yeah. get a few drinks in me or something or a few lines, I'd be like, someone's <laughs> got to do something with these guys. Like, blah, 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 blah. And then nobody ever said, well, why don't you do something with it? And then um, they came to me around the time where I had agreed, Choices Made had agreed to do a seven inch and Seized Up had agreed to do a seven inch. And um, uh, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, I, the only thing I can come up with, guys, I am so pleasantly overwhelmed with what's happening with the label right now. It's fucking steamrolling. <laughs> Like in a good way, we have, uh, I don't mean to get off topic, but we've got like the Midas Touch powerhouse couple of like Ben Rispin and Chuck Coles and their super group rules. We're doing yeah, their we vinyl for, uh, for Stomp Records and Warner mm-hmm. um, without compromising our label's ideals, which is really good. It's nice to do that. And then uh, we've got the Black Halos, uh, their return to rock and roll, like doing a seven inch for them. Um I have a whole list of bands here that I'm going to probably forget for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you brought up some really, really good points in the last little bit. Uh, one big thing is kind of how the music industry has changed so much, um, yeah. you know, back from, you know, early, even early 2000s, 94, whatever it is. So in like 20 years, you know, even when you're saying that Seized Up has a song about finding their band on a phone, but or you're finding the band on the phone, but the song's about the phone. Like, what, what is the role of a label now in this new age? Like, how, how do you feel that that's, you know, what, what is the role that, that a label would bring to a band now? Because everything, everything is so different from when um, we all first got into this. That's, that's, that's an amazing question. And it's, and, and sadly, the most amazing answer is bands don't need labels. They don't. Yeah. But it's like a, it's like a promise that was made like an age old ancient just thing that goes along with rock and roll that somebody is supposed to come along and do something for you. Uh, whether it be a fan, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, a, a person that, a, a person that appreciates you just for being in your band for that certain night or something like that. And then, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, then, or a label. So it, like it's old fashioned, like for instance, I'll use choices made. They do not need us. Like every time I go to those guys with an idea, they're like, yeah, yeah, but then you could probably do this instead. And they just one up us constantly. So, and sometimes you need bands like that need their hands held constantly, you know, mm-hmm. that their music is just so beautiful that, you, you know, you're abused by them. You're called names by them, but your, your job is to get that music out there, right. you know, and you'll do anything for it. And we've all seen documentaries of guys that do that. Like even like Fat Mike took grief from like his number one bestseller and stuff, like, you know, uh, just to get their stuff out. And that man is devoted to the, I have no beef with the guy, you know, like he's fat. Mike paid us for when we were on that 101 bands compilation thing. He, he oh, paid us music, all, yeah. the time, all the time. Like we paid our rent with that. It was the, the, the dollar was so good in the nineties. Right. You know, yeah. we did really well. So I have, and you know, and the man's treated me well and he's always been fair and he's told me why. He didn't like things and, and he told me what to do next, but we just didn't follow up on, them. you know, but labels I'm learning, con- like I'm learning constantly by this, that, like I said, I'm learning how I tortured people and I'm learning how like not to let things get under your skin and to remember that, you know, like, you know, you're, you're only as good as your bands and right. the bands that we've picked, thank God, um, none of them are money grabs. None of them. I, I can get sleep with every one of them. There's not one of them I'm uptight about or think that, you know, I'm not 150 percent into, 
You know, mm-hmm. I would I would back these guys in a, in, in a in like no problem. I st- I still don't think our roster is complete yet, but uh, I don't have I don't have people that are living here. I have a couple of bands that I hope are going to stay, but I have a couple of just visitors that are staying and hopefully will come back and do maybe an occasional seven inch here and there. But like I said, um, it's just nice to be on the other side and to do some good yeah. for a change, you know, and, and D- different perspective, com- right? Yeah. And I'm coming up on a two year sobriety. Uh, I'm Ottawa straight edge. I'm Ottawa straight edge. I just, I still indulge in THC. So, uh, I, I don't do anything else. So, uh, oh, um, being from um, Ottawa, the, 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 that cuts deep. Cause I know, I know a lot of people <laughs> like that. Uh, but when, when we're, when we're talking about the, um, kind of the roster, a lot of Toronto, Southern Ontario stuff. Um, and I was looking at the website too, and some of the, the live shots are from the aforementioned bovine. Um, and <clears throat> funny enough, I remember seeing dragged in at the bovine, uh, <clears throat> cause I've known Marty for yeah. like 20 years and I remember Patty from Brutal Youth, and I was like, "Oh, I'll go go okay. see the buds." And uh, it's funny, I had probably had the same reaction you did, maybe even the same night of being like, "Holy fuck! Like someone needs to do something with this band. Maybe I should reboot my defunct label and do something." So I'm glad somebody did. But uh, in in that whole thing being said, like, how how are you choosing the bands? Is it just stuff that you're seeing, other than being friends at the Bovine, it's, or can people submit stuff? Like if they want to yeah, submit we, EPK, we've to been you? getting we've been getting submissions. Um, there's one. Cool. One I've actually like got a submission. It's the first time I it's out of all the submissions. I've actually gone, wow, this is actually really good. Um, I've got some stuff that I had to say, no, buddy, I can't do this. Cause I, I, and for one, I can't believe you're asking us, but I really think you should talk now. Thank God. I have friends that can do that kind of stuff. And I pass them on to them. Like there's one, one, uh, band, uh, I, I, I can't mention them right now in town here that on discogs, when they were together in the seventies, they have a record that's worth over a thousand dollars on Discogs and nobody's put it out since then. And so they came to us to do it. <laughs> and I was like, um, you know, that'd be kind of cool, but you know, I, I would hate for that to be my, my, you know, my, my empire creator. I just couldn't handle that. It would be kind of weird. So, so we passed them on to another excellent label in Brooklyn to do that kind of stuff. And the guys from the punk rock community. So it's kind of cool, but, uh, I, I've, you know, like I said, the I'm lucky that people still like me because I'm getting really good <laughs> advice from people. I've uh, befriended um, some some people that are in some high positions around town here. Um, that obviously they've seen if I'm still kicking it and I'm you know I've got more civil tongue in my head. Uh, you know, and just showing up is honestly it's silly to say it's still that that's the expression that applies to everything. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of the work is showing up. So like, I don't know how, how many of us out there are planning on how I'm going to go to four to five shows a week, no matter who it is. Like, you know, like we're going to do our best, you know, it's like a cop that mm-hmm. starts out, he wants to do his best, you know, but he ends up like being an asshole eventually. But, um, you, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be human. And especially with the new frontier that we're about to like embrace, you know, uh, it's, it's a tough position, but people still romanticize about the label. I like the bands that I have and, um, I, I handpick them basically. Um, like the black halos have always been one of my more favorite bands. And I reached out to those guys and said, Hey, if, 
guys ever want to get back together or do this thing? They just happened to be doing a record, doing a full length. And then they said, but we have these other songs and we'd like to get something out fast. So zip, zap, zoop. And, uh, and then, um, another one of my, uh, I live vicariously through these four gentlemen from Victoria, British Columbia called fully crazed. Uh, they're probably the most terrifying group I've ever seen or, or sorry, I haven't seen them yet, but ever heard in my entire life. It's literally hell on urethane. It's everything terrifying from the rich kids on LSD to verbal abuse. Nice. It, it is the ultimate skateboard rock and roll. Like, like every thrasher, thrasher compilation, these guys are 10 times heavier than it is. We've got a full length of theirs coming out. And, um, then we have, um, one of our more prouder situations and, you know, it's a, it's a tough one because, uh, you know, you, you can't help, but you know, the delicate, the, see the cool thing about our music is it's become such an education as well as just a, a pleasure just to listen to, you know, like we've learned so much about diets, politics, other mm-hmm. countries, you know what I mean? Problems in other countries, like from like, like our, the music hasn't just been like, turn that shit down. It's literally been the news for like about 45 to 50 years almost. Right. We, we knew that 74 million of the United States, 74 million people in the United States were racists already based on just dead Kennedy records. You know what I mean? Like yeah. from, from 20 years ago, we already knew that, you know, we already knew that the cops were fucking assholes and stuff like that. But it, like, it's amazing just to see, like where that a music that's, you know, at one time had to be sought out, had to be fought for, had to be defended is now not even a choice. It's just expected of a teenager to listen to. And then now it's just part of our culture to the point of everything from a keychain on the side of your pants to like, you know, everybody wears vans and has tattoos. You know, it's yeah. like everybody's Guilty. on the world yeah. tour. <laughs> you know, it's, it's wild, you know, like and and like I said, like uh, this is something we all had to defend. But now it's become such a prop like culture. But we're still one up on everybody else as far as I'm concerned. So I was listening, I, I was listening to another podcast a couple of weeks ago and uh, Jello Biafra was being interviewed and they were just like, so Jello, do you get like worn out because you've been telling us about this for so long? And his answer was, his answer was sometimes I feel like I need to stop writing fucking songs. So bad shit stops happening. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's been the common thing amongst my friends in the plus fifties. I've said, uh, like the past year has just been a dead Kennedy's lyric sheet or like, you know, or various other bands, MDC for Christ's sakes, you know, millions yeah. of dead cops. Like it's just been like unfolding on CNN from 6am to fucking 6pm every day. So, uh, it's wild, but, uh, like, uh, I, I hope to answer your question. I, I just want to make, I want to, you know, I want to leave the scene a lot nicer than I found it. You know, awesome. and, and, uh, it's, it's just, uh, you know, we were, we were badly behaved and, uh, I'd like to just make sure that, uh, our mark on it is, uh, I'd like to have a better funeral. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very, very good answer. Um, so I told a friend of mine that we were going to be, um, talking with you today and, um, back in the day, you know, and you were bringing up lifetime earlier and lifetime is my all time favorite band. So it brought, made me very happy to hear you talk about them. But my friend, Matt Ford, who was in bands like Sumo Grimace and Miles Between Us in Ottawa, he wanted your opinion on what it was like to play the absolute best show Ottawa's ever seen with oh, lifetime, good riddance, yeah. trigger happy, God, yeah. and Western Odiotes. Yeah. Well, see, that's a funny story. Um, uh, well, that the photo Sean Scallon took is, is on the inside of Hello Bastards, or is it Jersey's Best Dancers? 
jerseys back because they have the Ottawa Senators flag right, behind yeah, them. The, yeah, because yeah. uh, we made a joke that we wanted to cover the Senators uh, logo up when we were playing uh, just because we're from Toronto, right? But um, <laughs> see, Spodiotis already had a reputation of being a real serious, like worse than the Opera House for their their bouncers were really, really dangerous people. Yeah. And uh, when we had done a, uh, uh, played a uh, earlier snow jam in the year, um, Mark, God love him, some bouncer was pushing around some kid and it wasn't even during our set. Mark went right up to the guy and just goes, Hey man, what does staff mean? Is that like, like Ottawa for asshole or something like, or Spodioti <laughs> for asshole or something. And just, they got into it like crazy. And, and so we kind of knew the place was kind of jinxed, but, but then Sean Scallon, uh, uh, told us that, you know, it was his place for the night. It was all good. Like everything was fine. I think it was one of the last shows actually to have, uh, I have think it was there. Yeah. But, um, the funnier thing was, uh, uh, I know. I hope I don't get in trouble for telling this, but <laughs> sound guy was a very young man, a very young person. Uh, it was an all ages show, which was awesome. You know, you needed those. Cause like that tour was tough. That tour was really tough. It was big in Quebec. And then mm-hmm. when we got down into the weirdo part of the United States, like Jughead's revenge joined us later on. Nice. Uh, and, uh, it just got really weird. And that was our first like kind of thing. We got to stay on topic. So Ottawa. Um, so we're in there and this, this really skinny kid, which your average kind of get up at the time is backwards baseball hat, oversized pants and a really oversized t-shirt where basically everybody looked like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors of kids, like all standing around, like various epifat kind of desires and such. And the kid comes up to me and Theo from Gob and I'll Gob and I kind of had a, I sorry, trigger Abby and Gob kind of had a kind of rival kind of thing. Cause you know, we were always you know, we were always the, 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 the fringe bands, you know, the bands that were that close to it, but, you know, but we're always included, but we're never like going to make it that, that big, you know, and, and it was tougher. We always thought it was easier for God because they were on the coast where we were over in, in, in Ontario. So it wasn't really, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have an advantage like they did. Right. And so Theo and I are just standing there, we're just throwing down as you do talking about stuff. And, and the, the kid comes up to us and he goes, yeah, so, uh, I'm going to be the sound man tonight. And, uh, so I just want to make sure you guys like don't uh, don't mess around in this. And we're like, fuck off, whatever. Like, like not, not directly <laughs> saying this to him because it yeah. wasn't really that big a PA. It wasn't anything kind of like to land a plane with or anything like that. It wasn't really that big right. of a deal. Um, and so there, I think there was a couple of local bands, uh, not to be rude. I, think, I, I don't remember anybody's name. Um, it wasn't like Heaven Dog or anything like old school kind of Ottawa or anything like that. And so – I think there was a discussion about who was playing, whether it was going to be Gob or Trigger Happy was going to play first. So I think we made Gob play first and that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so the night went on and it was good. It was good. And then later that night, me and Theo are sitting around and uh, uh, Tom is there with Mark and uh, Rustin, my guys, we're all sitting around, good riddance or hanging out with whatever. We're all just hanging around. And the sound kid, if you will, comes over to us, me and Theo, we're, we were playing pool and he goes, uh, <laughs> now that I think about it, maybe I shouldn't tell this story. And it was, uh, he goes, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he goes, so, uh, what'd you guys think? Uh, how was the sound? What'd you, th- you guys think? And so I looked at him and Theo looks at him. We look at each other and I don't know how it happened. I went, get him. And Theo just grabs him, And I don't know who had them, but somebody had handcuffs. And we handcuffed the kid's <laughs> wrist to the pool table 
And I think somebody pantsed him, like just dropped his pants down around his ankles. <laughs> Thank God he was wearing boxers, which everybody did back then. And I think we sat there in chairs just laughing at it, where, you know, in an American pie kind of way. I can see you laughing. I know you are. So, so anyways, but yeah, so uh, that was gob, uh, not trigger happy. <laughs> yeah. Um that's one but of those uh, stories yeah, where we can yeah, laugh was, about in retrospect that would never be okay today. I think as you were identifying that as the best show ever in Ottawa, I think all you guys were outside at that point <laughs> while we were inside the account in the loot. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually just just missed that show uh, in my oh, time okay. of going to shows. Uh, but yeah, that's, that came from from a friend wanting to know how you felt because that, that is like, a pretty stacked the, lineup. As a, as a legal note, I would like to clarify that um, all fun was had and all just kidding was just had and uh, nobody was hurt. Nobody was played with. I, I won't dismiss it as saying it was a different time. Uh, it was definitely inexcusable behavior and there's no way in hell that anything like that would ever happen again. That's Thank you. <laughs> uh, this seems like a good, pot to break, a good spot to break it up. We ostensibly you're talking about seized up a good written side project if you want to do for this week um we're gonna stop down right now we're gonna play one song from the seized up seven yeah. inch which is coming out on april 8th we're gonna play the title we're, track. We're, we're shipping it april 8th shipping it april 8th uh so we're gonna play the song marching down the spiral from the seven inch here it is hearing that seized up like we already sort of touched on it's a bit of an all-star band right Clifford from Blast who Blast is one of those legendary bands that never got as popular as you'd expect them to and now I agree now that we all have access to everyone's records that ever came out everyone's really besides Blast uh Andy who played in the Distillers forever or maybe still does when they're touring I played in the Nerve Agents too and then mentioned uh danny buzzard as well and then obviously chuck from good riddance did you know anybody else in seized up before working on putting out the record or is chuck just uh, the connection here chuck was the connection um yeah. clifford was an, an idol of mine from the 80s uh because blast were blast were a more digestible black flag uh because uh, blast also got the bad rep of being like the copycat black flag but blast had the same singer every record um, had the same band every time. So, so when like, it was even like, like black flag was so confusing, just like ACDC when Bon Scott died, I, I remember going, well, if the singer of ACDC is dead, how come they have a new record out? No, you're just stupid like that kind of stuff. But blast was consistent 
with their weirdness. And if it wasn't for my like of blast, I wouldn't have, I was literally sitting at a table in the velvet underground doing something else when dragged in started playing and I'd never heard them before or knew anything about them. And I said, wow, this sounds like a blast song. And, Mm -hmm. and I like the Pied Piper. I got up out of my chair, like I was being hypnotized (laughs) and walked towards the front of the stage and then saw like, Hey, that's Patty from brutal youth. Uh, Hey, that's uh, Dan from uh, last imprint. And then there's Brucey like on the drums, like what's going on here. And then it just got better and better and better. And then they played that song, uh, get low. I don't know if you're familiar with any of their songs or whatever, but that took me to a place. And, and it's, you know, when you've been around this for so long, uh, when a song just moves you, you know, and, and when you're like, you know, you were there at a label, you've been exposed to music for so long. It's, you know, so, it takes a lot to really get you going. And I found that blasts uh, to me are a timeless kind of weird, you know, uh, not above punk, not below hardcore, just a really weird, timeless kind of sound that dragged in really kind of touched upon. Like, I know we listed sometimes it sounded like the circle jerks and stuff like that. I don't know where that actually came from, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I, I've often found them more of like a black like Marty's guitar stuff is, you know, reminiscent of Tom Morello, even to a certain degree. And dragged in is like, it's a full on experience, man. And like, it's, I like mind fucks when it comes to that kind of stuff, but you know, dragged in will mess with you, but it, it's, it's really a serious driving kind of thing. And Patty is one of the more dyna- dynamic front men. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, and you can't beat those shorts either, you know, so, <laughs> or the, or the class shirt. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else you could say. So, uh, but yeah, no, but, um, blast, uh, was more or less like I was a fan. And, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, Chuck, I was just so blown away, um, that Chuck was in a band with Clifford from blast for Christ's sakes. And then when he mentioned that, Hey, I said to him, um, if you ever have extra songs and he says, well, as a matter of fact, we do. And they mm-hmm. wanted to get into the studio really quickly because this single originally was supposed to be out in December. But because of COVID uh, in California, it got hit really quickly. So things got delayed. And uh, then with our manufacturers here in town, they got delayed as well. Mm-hmm. And then COVID again. Uh, so we were managed to get it all taken care of. So it'll be out by the first week or available the first week of April to be shipping and uh, in people's hands if they want to come by the office and grab it. And it'll be available to rotate this as well uh here in town and we can get it up to some stores as well but um if if you are in need of some kind of hardcore renaissance of how it sounded when it originally started and from the la bands like um like aggression um the la bands like verbal abuse um and then later on like just the tougher stuff from new york and then just even a, a canadian kind of hardcore kind of stuff seized up our truly a renaissance band it delivers it is nothing longer it's like you know if you're a big lifetime fan you probably loved kid dynamite absolutely seized seized up are the other perfect kid dynamite like no song is longer than two minutes is power packed it's there's a tiny bit of melody for the for the guys in the back and there's a whole bunch of like just crunching stuff for everybody up front i couldn't i couldn't be happier having a more perfect band associated with our label so it'd be nice to be involved in their next release i hope to god so. And honestly, the first LP was amazing. This 7-inch, and it's cool to listen to this 7-inch because they are, despite them all being, you know, yeah. let's let's be generous and say 40 and up, uh, <laughs> they they managed to still sound like they're evolving on the 7-inch oh, yeah, yeah. That, compared to what the LP sounds like. Yeah, well, and it's grittier. It's got like a, I, I kind of find it as it's, it's kind of like the I'd rather be flag burning. 
kind of as opposed yeah. to uh, uh, like in between uh, less talk and uh, how to clean everything. But see, that, see, that's the cool thing about like those guys are kind of like on the front line of culture. You know, California has always been a war zone for uh, uh, oppression and rising up with, with uh, racial tensions, fashion and music kind of thing. And then like, just imagine being like, like we joke about being from the suburbs. Imagine being from a Californian suburb from the late seventies and stuff like that, where you're told everything is yours, but like, but down the street, there's people dying and down the street, there's people killing each other. And then there's Disneyland. Like, you know what I mean? Like that must've been a fucking trip. Like when I, the first time I saw fast times at Ridgemont high, it's, scared the shit out of me like i didn't want to be a teenager like it looked like it hurt you know what i mean and so to be on like a song like (laughs) city right a song like tent city and then even like forum of decay like when you read those lyrics on the seven it's like clifford is he's not some burnt out hippie right and like california will always be a war zone for for thinking for christ's sakes so those guys have a frontline thing like chuck owns a business you know um Mm -hmm. Danny is in a successful band or sorry, excuse me. Andy is in a successful band. So he's like the distillers has more of a different outreach. So those guys have all levels of like, like a scope and stuff. So if anything at all, like seized up is a halfway house, like a, a community center for those guys to deal with their problems, you know? And I like, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't give you another better soundbite amongst my dog gasping for its last breath, but seized up with the most perfect band in the world. No, don't worry about it. Lance. It's okay. She's all right. Come here, All right. So, <laughs> Al, a few weeks ago on the podcast, I maybe went off on one. I'm sure you can identify with that. Uh, and <laughs> somehow we started talking about uh, punk bands that have the biggest reach and how, like, obviously the Ramones start everything. Everyone that has ever identified as a punk is familiar with the Ramones. You got to be. Otherwise, like, what the fuck are you doing? But then I said, I think other than the Ramones, anyone that would identify as a punk has somehow come into contact with bad religion, which doesn't mean that everyone's a big bad religion fan. And it doesn't mean that they're your favorite band. It doesn't mean that you've owned their records. It just means that if you and not someone who was into a punk band, but like anyone who has touched and lived punk rock in the last 40 years. I feel can be traced to bad religion in some way. And Dan's been on my ass about it since I said it. Yes. Al, <laughs> do you want to weigh in on this? First, before you weigh in, the, the caveat is, of course, more yeah, I was gonna say, people. What's the setup? So obviously you got your Green Days, your Blink-182s that have sold way more records. But yeah. the majority of their fan bases are not. They're punk adjacent at best. Okay. So yeah, yeah, Josh, yeah. Josh, Josh's take was that Bad Religion is the second biggest slash well-known punk band. I was thinking more along the terms of Misfits, but according to Josh, they're just a clothing brand now. So we just want to weigh in maybe and see in terms of uh, well, if you agree or disagree. Bad Religion are a – see, we, we played with Bad Religion at the Rivoli in 1990. Oh, I, uh, on the no control tour. And that was kind of the first time that, uh, the, thir- the mid 30 year old LA version came to LA version of hardcore came to Toronto. And we were still kind of trying to wipe off the whole sub pop fucking crap that was all over us. And like epitaph epitaph was just a whisper at the time. Um, I had suffer, uh, cause I worked at an HMV and um, a gentleman recommended that this label called Epitaph was going to be really, really big soon. 
and your, your punk section in your little store in Pickering should start ordering this stuff. So I started ordering, I ordered suffer. And I think, I, I think you could even get, um, what, what was the, into the known? I think you could, you could get a cassette oh, the, version the of that album. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was thirty nine ninety nine as a cassette for oh. the HMV that I worked at. Um, but I would have to say that bad religion, they were in that wake in Los Angeles of like uh, wasted youth, um, after the the circle jerks were already rock stars by the time bad religion kind of started as far as mm-hmm. i know according to my history of what i know um and uh la hardcore it's funny you guys were talking about this because it's my most favorite kind next to boston stuff where i'm i am the biggest adolescence di rick agnew fan like imaginable where i've the, the past thousand dollars i've spent on those related kind of items and stuff yeah. where <laughs> uh, so i'm really been researching a lot of the stuff but it seems that Bad Religion were – because Jay Bentley was in The Adolescence. Everybody in Trigger Happy was in something from something else. So it just seemed like a, a, like a, a bottleneck or a, a place where everybody went through. So Because even look at Bad Religion now. They've become like a home for Brian Baker. It's like a place for legends. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't know mm-hmm. who the other gentleman is currently that's in it. Uh, the gentleman with the glasses. Or a, a Mike Dinter, who Dutch played in the cult. Yeah. And, uh, there you go. So, Social distortion. Yeah, exactly. So, so that kind of thing. But the one thing you got to remember in the nineties was there's all these colorful bands, cute bands, young bands. So they're amongst all of the sparkling colors, Baskin Robbins kids and all the something, somethings and all the, this, the, the, the 41s, the 182s, the corporates, the, the whatevers are these balding old men, unfortunately, where one of them has been put away in a institution already for his drug addiction. Um, they've replaced, they've had three drummers already. Um, and then the band, unfortunately, and they just signed to a major label when it was really bad to sign to a major label. Um, but at the same time still maintained everything and any bad religion were the subject you had to take in order to pass. You know, yeah. and, and you're really happy that you've got it by the end of the thing where you look forward to your next one is no effects, perhaps, or those other bands. But it's mm-hmm. like we were talking about earlier, you know, like a lot of people, you know, didn't have to didn't get to evolve to those bands like some of us did. You know, like like the first punk band I ever heard of was Teenage Head, then the Sex Pistols, you know, like, but, and, you know, and, and that was when I first moved here to Canada. Right. Because they were on the news because it was a new thing. Whereas mm-hmm. now you can just automatically your teenager kit will include whatever record uh, will include American idiot as opposed to dookie or sure. uh, what uh, 10, three, seven smooth or whatever the fuck that was called or Kerplunk <laughs> or something like that. You know, that's your automatic teenager kit now you know, or slipknot, you know? So mm-hmm. it, it's, 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 it's amazing. Just like kind of thing. But I think bad religion are they They very happy that people really like them still. They're a great band. They're a distinct band. At one time, uh, I remember someone saying that, you know, they're all, they have one song, but all 103 versions are really good. They've written some of my most favorite songs in the whole world, like that Anesthesia song. Uh, that song is just godlike. Um, mm-hmm. Stranger Than Fiction is one of the most amazing lyrical fucking things. Television, mm-hmm. I even like that bloody song, for Christ's sakes. Um, I, I think um, my favorite song is What Can You Do from Suffer. Oh, what can you do? And, and then um, mm-hmm. I think No Control is probably best the most perfect 24 minutes ever in the whole world so i would say yeah. they're a very very valuable band um you could learn a lot uh good and bad from them they're probably way more easier to deal with now than they were in my day because <laughs> you know they had they had the world uh, at their picking so they probably abused and used a lot of things that unfortunately men did back then 
And, um, yeah, I, you know, I said like we got cast to the side by them one time and then we got treated like gods by them one time. You know, I remember Breck Gerwitz outside the opera house saying, uh, yeah, I love your band. Stefan brought me your recording because, uh, Trigger Happy's first attempt was uh, under the name of Kingpin and we recorded a record called this when this came up and recorded us in 1990 here. And he brought the tape to, uh, Brett at Epitaph and there was a, uh, a courtship there of about three months of we were quite possibly going to be on epitaph in that 91 92 kind of thing and i talked to brett about it at the opera house and he was wearing a motley crew t-shirt which i thought was really weird <laughs> uh and then within within two weeks of that he went into rehab uh courtesy right. of fletcher from pennywise as the legend goes mm-hmm. i still respect the man i think he's written some of the best and most important music in in the world he's another rick agnew as far as i'm concerned yeah. Um, but, and I, uh, Greg Graffin's written a few songs I like, but he does have a very distinct voice that is valuable. And, um, yeah, I think bad religion are a very important band, um, that you're lucky to find either later after you go through all the flash. And, uh, it's like I said before about other bands, it's timeless. It's a good Amazing. answer. Yeah. Uh, Al, thank you. <laughs> Did you want to talk about kiss? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> I mean, you brought, you brought up teenage head, but, um, just, yeah, well, just, but back to, yeah, no, this is not uh, from my parents' basement. We're not going to talk about kiss. We'll let uh, oh, oh, those guys. Those I love, I love those guys. I love those guys. That was That's a good not, one. That we had fun on that one. That was a good laugh that night. Actually. Yeah. Well, I, I was making sure that I wasn't going to ask you things to repeat those stories. Um, oh, just oh, because brain stories were funny. <laughs> I know when you were talking about the bad brains earlier, I wanted to tell people, so I guess I'll do it now to go check out your episode with, from my parents' basement, because that bad brain story Very is nice. fucking Thank great. You. I was dying listening to it um but so with all the talking we've done about seized up a lot of stuff musically going on uh but if anyone's kind of on the fence for jumping in and ordering it is there uh any any kind of extra selling point you want to give is there like seized up is for fans of blank oh, i because uh, i think they sound yeah, like uh, black flag with the production budget so yes like, now we're talking yeah no it's, it's for fans of the it's for fans of the bronx it's for fans of good riddance it's for fans of blast it's for fans of Ensign. It's for fans of SSD. I think it sounds like a more produced SSD, uh, uh, early DYS Boston kind of hardcore kind of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. It's for it's for fans of just really brutal, truthful kind of like what you would what you would really call LA uh, Santa Cruz hardcore. It's timeless, man. You could skate to it. You could rage to it. I don't think it's one of those. It's not a fashion band like we were going to probably reference to like a T-shirt band. There's bands that people are into, and then there's bands that kids go and get a T-shirt, which is their entry level into a thing. Like for a long time, there was H2O was like kind of an entry level kind of shirt, or uh, like like in in rockabilly, I, I find it's kind of like the Matadors, or kind of uh, like it was the Cramps in my day. Uh, oh, and yeah. then uh, like a Sex Pistols T-shirt, like at a, from a head shop, was kind of your entry level or an exploited shirt kind of thing. But you know, it's it's just it's just timeless stuff, dude. And if you're if you're like you can't say that you, you can't call anybody a poser anymore. It's not really fair. And you can't really call anybody like out of tune. You know, it's there. If you don't have the internet, you're lucky. But if, you know, if, <laughs> if you can't find it, then there's, you know, there's something wrong with your hand. I don't know what else to tell yeah. you. That. So, <laughs> that's honestly, that's the best sound clip that we're going to hope for. Uh, Al, thanks good. for coming, taking time yeah. to hang out and tell some stories. Nice. 
Anyone that's listening should know that Al has called dibs on Class War 2000, so we'll have him back on that episode, and we'll get more uh, good riddance and trigger happy tours. Sorry, the almighty trigger happy tour stories. Uh, <laughs> the new seized up record, Marching Down the Spiral, is available ish on april 8th from <laughs> cursed blessing record uh pre-orders go ahead place them right now go click over on the site very affordable records al i wanted to say for 2021 <laughs> the pricing is reasonable uh no. make sure you check out everything on cursed blessings <laughs> we mentioned it before obviously dragged in is awesome kurt Choices made. We've been talking with those guys. When we pulled the song choices made one of those guys maybe a few of those guys will be on the yeah, show yeah. and well, that and that new rules record is kicking my dick off these days yeah. If you're listening and you like what we're doing with this very special episode, good news. We're planning on setting up a Patreon. Dan's credit card has really been taking a beating with hosting (laughs) costs. Uh, So we're going to be inviting guests like Al Nolan to come on the show and talk about other records made by members of Good Riddance. So Last Believer, a podcast about side projects for the Patreon. Uh, So like Only Crime, Outbreak, Creep Division, Fast Asleep, Russ's solo stuff which there's a seven inch coming out on curse blessings later this year. Uh, so that's what, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Right now is very, very bare bones. We're still working on building it up, but, uh, patreon.com slash last believer pot. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to this very special after school, special episode of last believer podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back soon to talk about, believe it or not, good riddance. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.